That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Salt. This is a Oh, oh, JC's laughing already. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers, who hate writing. Uh, we're, we're fired up for this show today. We got a great guest, uh, Steve Callahan. We're going to bring him out later. Family Guy legend Steve Callahan Woo-hoo! is in the house, not virtually. Uh, Goldie's, <laughs> Goldie's back east. He's uh, recording on his iPhone today. He's playing Hurt. But he's, he's here fine. nonetheless. But he looks great. He does. You look great via Gee, iPhone. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I flew back last night and um, I left my iPad on the plane like a total oh, idiot. Total um, <laughs> I I just realized the case of the iPad is the exact color and consistency of, as the back of the Delta Airlines seat, <laughs> which I think <laughs> is totally. probably why Camouflage. I did it. It's like the exact same blue leatherette but you know it's i always in my family hold myself up as the as the shining example as i'm condemning everyone for their behavior (laughs) and their irresponsibility like it's like well you know your apple watch if you don't value it i'll take it away because when you have these things you have to watch them you have to take care of them that's part of the responsibility of owning them And, and my behavior to this point has been for 49 years, just absolutely perfect and unimpeachable. <laughs> and now it's like this is the first ding in the armor, and this is this is how you, you get overthrown, as Putin will probably find out. <laughs> well, but the thing is... First joke so of the day. First joke of the day. That was excellent, excellent. So, but you're traveling by yourself now, correct? No, no, I'm with my older kid. I'm bringing oh, her okay. to camp. Oh, cool. oh and right, so, right, right. so now they're, they're, she's seen it. She's seen that yeah. you know her perf- her her God is mm. is maybe <laughs> not the infallible God she she believed. Yep, Xerxes' cheek is cut. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so I'm dealing with that. But I also, you know, I mean, it's no secret that these airlines it, it just keeps getting worse and worse for them yeah. as as they sort of capitulate to the the people who want to deny COVID and they're like, take your mask off. And now the entire staff is sick and now they don't have enough people to support the airline. And it's just like Delta airlines is for people at this point. Like they're trying to act. I think they're all just moving around really fast and putting on wigs and glasses and disguises. And it's actually just 
four people doing the entire airline. It's a so, French farce. Yeah. And so everyone is, you know, worse and worse behaved as is documented in America. So I sit down and I'm on the plane and there, there's a woman who's on, I guess, like FaceTime, but on speakerphone, just yeah. yelling. Someone's doing some landscaping or something for her. And she's right. going, show me the peonies. <laughs> show me the marigolds and the person on the other end is like where's the marigolds and it's all like the audio is all blown out and it's super loud and so then the person in the seat row next to her i hear this ma'am ma'am and the, the word ma'am at this yes. point is basically we all know the word ma'am is fuck you it's like it's never used as anything like, other than you fucking idiot piece of shit. <laughs> so I hear ma'am and like, when I hear the word ma'am, I instantly start, I take a full assessment of my surroundings and yes. I instantly go, what can be a weapon? So, because it, it's like, this is where we're headed. Going the down. word ma'am is, yes. means like. Fighting words. There's, yeah. a, there's about to be a fist fight. So I'm like, okay, right. maybe I could pull off the armrest and like batter someone with it. You know, maybe I could take the, the plain safety brochure and like the sharp corner gouge someone's eye because I'm, I'm right in the middle of, of these two oh, people. You are. Oh, no. And so I hear, and she says, ma'am, you're talking very loud and we can all hear. And then I swear to God, the, the person on the, on the FaceTime says, oh, my God, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I didn't wow. realize where I was, which is unprecedented in wow. America. That's great. Yeah. I so I'm like, just thinking I'm like about putting it. the seat armrest down, putting the brochure back oh. in, the, in the little thing on the back of the seat, putting my iPad down, which I was going to hit the person on the head with. And of course, I never picked that back up. Obviously. I know. It was a gift. But, maybe, and maybe. then we get into the and, and, and then the luggage takes two full hours to come out. And oh. someone gets on the PA, this woman. There were tears in her voice. She was like, those of you on the flight from Los Angeles were still um, not aware of where the luggage is. And it's like, it's either on the plane. Oh no! Yeah, that's weird. Well, also, in you don't you don't you don't want to hear someone in that position betraying that level of panic either. It's like <laughs> you want like, them. I'm, I'm so sure that was also the stewardess who was now doing the luggage. <laughs> right. like, there's, there's just no one doing anything. Four so employees. It's 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 unbelievable. What a trip. Anyway. Boy, yeah. all right, you know, this is this could be stand-up fodder, airline travel, yeah. hmm, to come to think of yeah. it. Um, That's what I want to get into right now. <laughs> That's very Seems funny. Seems like those people are having an easy time. That's right. funny. And, you know, you talk about the ma'am thing and, and the, uh, the anger. And we've talked uh, on this podcast several times about our own anger and how it's uh, a, the biggest issue in our lives. So I had just a brief little little story about that that I think has a kind of a happy ending. Um, so the other day I'm, I'm driving around and Goldie, you and I have discussed this. Anytime you're in a car alone with your own thoughts for more than 10 minutes, it can go very badly. It, it turned, <laughs> you go deep into your own emotions and it's, it's dark and weird. So yeah, I, I, start I was, thinking about all the people, you know, who have died. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> so I'm driving around and I was already angry about something. God knows what. I don't even remember at this point. But I was angry. I'm driving to go pick up food or whatever. And uh, then I had this another sort of epiphany as I'm driving and the music is good and I'm, I'm, it's this really nice day. 
And I realized that that anger, uh, and maybe this is obvious, but anger is a mental addiction. Like it's something that I'm clearly addicted to, like caffeine or right. sugar, but except it's it's a mental thing. There's not a physical component of it. And I found that that, uh, you know, even thinking about it and probing it on that level and having these kinds of realizations is is a positive. So yeah. I'm I'm starting to think in my mind like, okay, well, if this is a, a mental addiction, like what can I do and what are the, th- the steps that I can take? And I know that it's not physical, so that's good. And, w- you know, I start kind of having these thoughts and I'm feeling happier already, just kind of even trying to break it down a little bit. As we say, yeah. like you, you briefly catch this tiger by the tail and you're like, okay, now what do I do? So wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> So I'm having all these thoughts, having a now a pleasant drive. And by the way, I'm a hypocrite because last week I complained loudly on here about the 20 mile per hour speed limit, but I was going 20, <laughs> love and life, arm out the window, you know, making the little waves with my hand oh, wow. in the wind. It, like, so I'm going 20. People are out walking their dogs. It's a really nice day. And, you know, we have dogs, you have a dog. So I like to go out of my way to show dog owners like, hey, I understand what you're doing. I'm going to go to the other side of the road completely and, and slowly go around you and give you a little wave because you're going to wave to me because you, you see how considerate I'm being. What a nice person I am. Oh, wow. So we're having these great exchanges. Anything for a stranger. Anything. Exactly. Right. For people who know you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for a stranger, sure. Right. If, if, it's, if it's tall walking the dog in the road, I'm going by like Maverick buzzing the tower. You know, she's getting coffee on her Real shirt. Nice. So anyway, I go around a few people. I'm getting very pleasant waves, little smiles, interactions. And then uh, I, I come to another person who's sort of coming at me. And I do the thing of getting out of the way. And he's not waving. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, all right, maybe this guy's kind of a dick. So I give him, like, an aggressive, (laughs) like, big smile wave like this. And then as I'm passing him, I see he's got one arm. (laughs) He's walking the dog on a leash. And his other arm is out of a T-shirt, just the little stump and oh he's like God. this 20-year-old guy, and, and there's me waving angrily like, but smiling with a big smile. And, like, he's looking at me like, yeah, I can't do that. Oh. So oh, that was my God. little mini <laughs> vignette. That would be my little annoying short story oh, chapter of a, of a book in my life about anger. But wait, I found hold on, that hold all. on. Goldie, yeah. you're muted. That's why it sounds so empty. <laughs> I, I was saying I, I hope you feel as bad as you should feel. <laughs> Aren't you glad I You doesn't really feel badly about that. Uh, I hope you you're deeply in the recesses of your being. <laughs> it's reverberating how badly you should feel. By the way, Goldie, you know me. It's always recess in my being. It's been a <laughs> yeah. constant recess since age five. Um, yeah, but you can go back on mute now. Uh, so, uh, that was a little fun thing and and Goldie you had recommended uh, to JC and me that we watch a documentary on Hulu and I'm seeing uh, yeah. J- on JC's face that she did not do that I did oh, watch she did. it I was, okay. I was like am I, I do I text them do I say I didn't know how to react like okay because I didn't I just watched it blindly yeah well, that's the best way to watch exactly yeah yeah, yeah so so Goldie t- t- tell us a little bit about the name of this so, documentary and what it what it was about 
I never want to watch anything that's in my queue or anything that anyone is talking about. And so I just go on all the subscriptions I have and I go through the documentaries. And I come across something called Full Service, the Scotty Bowers story yeah. on Hulu. I don't know anything about this. I don't know what full service means. I don't know who Scotty Bowers is. But I see it's in Hollywood in Hollywood. the 50s. So I say, like, well, I like looking at footage of that. Yeah. So I turn it on. And so basically, this is a, a documentary about a guy who, after World War II, came to Hollywood, got a job in a gas station, was there maybe an hour. Yes. The first thing that happened is a big producer pulls in a convertible, <laughs> offers him a ride and says, do you want to come swim in my pool? Yes. Have a, have a dip. Have a dip. Yes. Have a dip. He does. He has sex with this man, and then from then then on becomes a pimp to Hollywood. Who doesn't collect money? He lived to about 95, and toward the end of his life, he decided he wanted to come, not come clean about all the things he did, because he didn't feel badly about it, but he just wanted to give an honest recounting of it. He basically claims that for every hollywood star who's loved and lionized yes. around the globe he was basically providing mostly gay but in some cases straight hookups for them right. and yes. even yes. couples like famous couples like that who's the prince who abdicated the throne i yeah. know everyone always yeah. loves who yes. looks like whatever right like Edward, you're still Edward, rich and Edward. now you okay. don't have to be king it's right. way easier right. Yeah. And he, and he married guy. an American. And like, yeah. yeah. Well, well, he was. Yeah. Cl- and then he they, was it's like they came gay. to America and he sent men and women in their room. And anyway. Yes. <laughs> and, but then the other part of it that was so crazy was that, you know, he claims that. And, and by the way, I think it's all true. I mean, that's yeah. smart. Yeah. 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 Definitely. That's not, and, not even a doubt. But again, and so apparently, like this was all Hollywood was all Hollywood was doing through the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. This guy was bartending their parties, giving them young, quote, talent. Right. And it, yeah. it just made me think, like, it's not like that has stopped, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure right. it's everywhere today. But, you know, when I came to Hollywood and I walked into the Grove, no one invited me to their home for a gift. <laughs> like, no, no one's ever invited me to their home. Even my best friends, I. <laughs> I think maybe I was in your pool once and I had to ask when you were out here. Like I no one asked me to do anything. I I've I've been in LA since two thousand two. I've seen cocaine once. <laughs> like I walked through a room and it was there. Like no one because no one sees a bald guy in a room and go like, let's tell him about all the secret drugs and sex. So like I'm blissfully unaware of all this stuff going on, but I'm sure that it is all still going on, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. By the way, I, I thank you for this recommendation because I loved watching. I love documentaries. <laughs> it's a it's a great yeah. watch. It's yeah. it's awesome, and 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 of course, documentaries about Hollywood completely sold. It was very funny looking when he was going through his early list of clients and like <laughs> people, this name will mean nothing to people out there, but he's somebody that, that my dad always used to watch his movies. So I saw them, this actor, Charles Lawton. And if you look okay. at Charles Lawton and you're just like, oh, he was just like, he was a huge queen. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, looking at this guy, shocking. I can kind of see that. <laughs> and they talked about George Cukor who was a very famous director in the 40s. He directed like a lot of 
the the biggest movie. He may have directed like some like it hot. He, he directed a lot of. Big yes, movies. I think he did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was a writer director, but he's apparently, according to this documentary, most famously like weekly gay parties at his house where he would just yeah. have men lined up going into his room and blowing him or he, him blowing them, I think is what it was. Yeah. He liked to, to do it. It, it yeah. was. It was all I don't just want to awesome. get the, the person wrong in the documentary because then it's, uh, although you, it's not defamation, you can't no. defend it. It was a Cole Porter. He told the story about. Yes. Yes. That apparently he says Cole Porter one day just wanted to blow like 15 guys in a row. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it helped him with his music. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. He, he, it just, he wrote, he wrote, come blow your horn that day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the whole thing was great. And the way that he lived towards the end of his life, like a complete hoarder. Yeah, and yes. the fact, really tripped the me The fact that he was married to a woman at the end, yes. and the woman just was basically like covering her ears. She was like, I yeah. don't want to hear that. And she clearly, they clearly had like a normal marriage where they kind of <laughs> didn't like each other. <laughs> like she was just like, she had, there was no showing of affection for him. And he right. was just kind of like, I'm the star of this couple. And, right. you know, and she was. Well, he's, he's also, there's a hilarious thing in the documentary where he's, he's about at the time, like 92, and he's very spry. Like they show yeah. him going up totally. and down ladders and, He's yeah. still getting on the roof <laughs> yeah. through these contacts. He, he made along the way. He's still bartending at the parties, I know, that was weird. but he's like 93 I and he's like actively bartending. But there's this hilarious thing where he, they show him driving by, you know, sometimes you just see a toilet in the street. Like yes, someone's like, was... forget it. I'm not shitting anymore. I'm done. <laughs> and they put their toilet out. on, on the side. So he, he drives by this toilet and he says, oh, that's a good toilet it's for good... X, Y, and Z reasons. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to take it because I don't need a toilet. But if you did need a toilet, <laughs> this would be good you one. should take that because it, there's a lot of value in there. It would still work. And then yeah. they cut to like the next day, the toilet's in his house. He went yeah. And he picked up this toilet and his house is... He disgusting couldn't, he couldn't stop thinking about the toilet it's funny that you brought that part of it up because that was a very funny moment but i had the feeling when i saw the toilet out on the curb as you do sometimes yeah. that our podcast is the free toilet on the curb of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> like like just like there's there should have been if there had been a little sign propped up against it that said free then that would have been our podcast exactly <laughs> But it was it was a great recommendation. So yeah, yeah, yeah so. I, I, I just I don't know what there's nothing really to say about it. Other no, than, it's just right. fascinating. I, I think it's it's true, and that you know one of the things that that sort of makes me sad is is when we came to Hollywood, we moved to LA twenty years ago. I felt there were just more characters like this. Yeah. yeah. There was just everyone had a story, and now yeah. it's just like everyone moved out here to kind of be, you know, to go viral or something. Like it's right. not nearly as interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, with COVID, they're getting their chance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that that was very fun, and now we're gonna uh, get into the not fun portion of the program that we call Johnny jokes. From my mother's sun porch, and I can't yell that loud, or I'm gonna wake people who are sleeping here. Johnny's! <laughs> 
Oh, that's great. Um, well, before we start Johnny's today, I teased it up top, and it is a special day here on the podcast yes. because we have a great guest, um, family guy legend, writer, Steve Callahan is here with us today, and like a few of our guests, a few of our braver guests in the past, he has agreed to be part of Johnny Joke. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna give Steve his full proper intro later, but we want to bring him out here now for some Johnny Jokes. Steve Callahan, welcome right. to the show. Welcome, hey, Steve. thank you so much. <laughs> I, I was saying earlier, and I meant it. When you first of all, when you invited me to be on the podcast, I was thrilled. Um, not yeah. only because it'll save me an hour of my next week that I normally spend <laughs> listening to the podcast, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, and then you offered to have me do Johnny jokes and it simultaneously got me very excited. And I also felt like my life was over because <laughs> now I know the, the horror and misery that you guys describe every week. It, yes. it, it, it's brutal. It's, thank you. Thank you for that confirmation. And, and, and expectations are sky high. Steve Callahan <laughs> is one of the greatest joke writers in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but no, uh, I'm managing expectations. Is what I'm doing. That's right. No, you, yeah. did that, you did that very well. And I yeah. want to point out to our listeners. Thank you uh, for doing it. It's, it's, yes, of it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. <laughs> I want to point out to our listeners who can't see what's happening right now that Steve Callahan. I have referred to him on this podcast in the past as a Boy Scout because he has that sort of do-gooder personality. And I will say right now that Steve is in full Boy Scout, or should I say? Correction. Steve? Yeah. Oh, Eagle Scout. Let's be precise about it. Eagle Scout. (laughs) And he's got the patch to prove it. Steve is in his full Eagle Scout uniform right now. First of all, it looks sharp. And this this clearly has to have been adjusted since your time in the. Not uh, one bit. Thank you for for (laughs) teeing that up, Alec, because this is exactly the same shirt I wore as a 16 year old when I earned the rank of Eagle Scout. And for those watching, I want to just demonstrate that I'm not lying. There, there it is. is. There's oh. the eagle. All right. There's the oh. eagle scout. Wait wow. hard for that. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. For a split second, I thought, is Tom on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he would have uh, said. Yeah, your, and your heart dropped. Oh, it really did. Uh, yeah, Steve, you look you look stunning in that oh. eagle scout uniform. <laughs> Thank that, you. The epaulets mean so much to the outside oh, world. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, you have it epaulets. all means so much. You have epaulets. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing sexier than a man who knows more than 10 knots. Uh, oh, believe me, I know lashings. I know survival. Uh, we oh. need a half hitch. Oh, you no, know, typically you do two half hitches, Goldie. Um, you know, they they rarely exist. Well, so I would well. use a bosun's knot on that. Oh, wow. Goldie knows a thing or two about words. I know. <laughs> Steve, in an emergency situation, uh, I, you know, I would trust you would have a lot of the skills, but I, I just have this feeling that you would require everyone to walk in an orderly single file line, and I just <laughs> oh. don't think I don't think that's going to happen when the world ends. <laughs> oh. And I would want people to, to either count off or have a buddy. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. one or the other. <laughs> let's say, let's let's get that started. Armageddon buddies, you need an Armageddon <laughs> buddy. That's it. Just makes good sense. Um, all right, Steve. Well, you you've teed up how tedious this is. We know that all too well. So <clears throat> let's uh, get into our little Johnny voices here. Hang on and, one uh, second. Here they come. The greatest jokes you've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now hold on. Those are, we'll save that for you. Um, all right. Okay. Steve Cal- Do you Steve want me to Cal- go first? 
Yes, please. Yeah, I'd be delighted yes. to. I will All say right. it's a little bit of a game for you guys too because I I I, I wrote four because I feel like that's the number you guys usually have. Yes. That's good. Too. And uh, I will say that when I came up with these, one of them brought Alec very much to mind, and the other there's another one in there that brought Goldie very much to mind. So there you go. Maybe you can, as a fun exercise, see if you can pick out which well, one. Well, maybe that's awesome. I love it. There's a challenge right. in here. <clears throat> All right, here's my Johnny voice. Take it away. <clears throat> here we go. Here we go. Uh, uh, researchers in the United Kingdom. <laughs> have found that an ancient Greek inscription on a 2,000-year-old marble tablet is actually a yearbook for a graduating class. Scholars were tipped off by a description of students singing Summer Nights in that year's musical, Ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's, That's me. the Alec joke, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's like That's Alec it's, a, it's a good impression. Yeah, thank you. All right, here we go. Well here <clears throat> Next Johnny joke. Okay. Last week, uh, Border Patrol agents in, at a California checkpoint found $60,000 worth of methamphetamine stuffed into a child car seat. The drugs were discovered when the frustrated driver realized he'd rather go to prison than try to correctly install a child car seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Number three. All right. Uh, a Virginia entomologist has discovered a new millipede species, which he has named Nanaria swifte in honor of Taylor Swift. Scientists warn that you not get too close to the millipede as it will definitely shit talk you in its next song. <laughs> That's great. All right. Last one. Here we go. We're wrapping it up. A British tribunal has ruled that calling a man bald is sexual harassment and even like doing one. Yes, it is. But let me start over again now. <laughs> a British tri- Okay. A British tribunal has ruled that calling a man bald is sexual harassment and even likened doing so to commenting on the size of a woman's breasts. When speaking with reporters after his legal victory, the plaintiff was quoted as saying, "Hey, my eyes are down here. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Those awesome. are great, Steve. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Well done. Hey, what thanks. a great well oh, boy. Now I'm already, now I feel shitty about mine. Okay, Steve, those were great. Thank hey, you for, for joining yeah, in. Okay, <clears throat> maybe you heard this story. Uh, a VHS copy of Back to the Future has sold at an online auction for a record $75,000. Yeah. Uh, Although it should be noted, most of that is for late fees. (laughs) (laughs) Very polite laughter. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I love it. Okay, here's another one. Uh, This is a very Johnny joke. Climate scientists say the planting of medium-height grasses in urban areas may be a key to fighting global warming. Yeah, and you can read all about it in their new book, Fescue to the Rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Very Johnny style joke. Very Johnny. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Now I have no faith in any of these others. Here we go. Uh, In Detroit last week, a father holding his infant son successfully held off a gunman with his one free arm. Yeah, and you can see all the action in the upcoming Hollywood blockbuster, The Newborn Identity. (laughs) (laughs) And finally for me, uh, scientists, uh, whoa, we got a lot of scientists this week. Scientists, (laughs) Scientists have discovered that in emergency situations... Mammals have the ability to breathe through their buttholes. 
<laughs> While the news may seem bizarre to most, it's an incredible opportunity for Listerine. <laughs> that, was, that was a great finish. Oh my god. <laughs> Waiting with baited butthole. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, well, earlier this week, President Joe Biden fell off his bicycle. Yeah. Uh, oh. He was loopy, disoriented, and incoherent. In other words, he's totally fine. <laughs> okay, joke number two. Broadway, the Great White Way, Broadway will end its mask mandate on July 1st. Boy, that's going to ruin Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deshaun Watson has settled 20 of the 24 cases against him. Yeah. He's agreed to pay the women an undisclosed sum of money, maintain confidentiality, and stitch up the hole in the front of his football pants. <laughs> okay, and here's a, here's a little double to finish it out. Okay. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, media titan. Uh, Rupert Murdoch is divorcing his wife, Jerry Hall, and the 91-year-old can't wait to hit the dating market. Yeah, uh, he's been working with a team of physical therapists to regain the ability to swipe right. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently old Rupert got a prescription for Cialis and his doctor said, in the event your erection lasts four hours, it's outlived you by three hours. Excellent, Steve. You you were terrific. All right. So now I gave yes. Steve I gave Steve a short introduction uh, before uh, Johnny jokes, but given uh, Steve's stature on uh, Family Guy and stature in real life, he's six four and a half, as he likes to add the half <laughs> when people list his height. I want to give him I want to give him a bigger introduction now. So Steve Steve Callahan, if you're a Family Guy fan. You know who Steve Callahan is. So Steve Callahan has written more episodes of Family Guy than any writer in the show's history. I believe we're at 30. Is that right? Uh, I, I think maybe so. Yeah, I think, oh. I think that's right. Uh, don't give me the I think. Yes, dance. that's correct. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't. He knows exactly. I know, of course. Of course ah, he does. Awesome. But it's 30, which is amazing. It's astounding because yeah. when you think of how, how difficult it is to write one well – You've written 30 incredibly well. And I... Ha- 29. 29. There was one in there that was a little bit... Yeah. But I have always uh, maintained, and I, I still absolutely feel this way, that if Family Guy were like on a sort of a playground pickup game, Steve Callahan would be my first pick every time for, uh, for, putting, for writing a show. And I think it's... And we've talked about this uh, on here before, but the way that you can generate ideas, then take said ideas and turn them into workable stories and then take that workable story, make it a great outline, take the great outline, (laughs) turn it into a great script. There's no one, nobody comes close to you when it comes to this wow. whole process of putting together a Family Guy episode. So that's, and I mean, that's really what it's all about. So, Steve, 
It's an honor to have you here. We're excited to talk to you about Family Guy and other stuff today. So officially, welcome, welcome. to a typical disgusting Yay. display. Thank you. I'm and do you want to come take a dip in my pool? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you want to take a dip in my pool. Oh, there you go, Goldie. There it is. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you guys. Seriously, thank you so much for having me. This is a, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of, of you guys and a big fan of the podcast. I'm obviously more, more friend than fan, but I'd like to think I technically fit the definition of a friend. No, you're yeah, you're yeah. you're in the friend category. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the friend zone. No, <laughs> the friend zone. The friend zone. <laughs> uh, yes, no, you're you're a friend first, a friend second. There you um, go. Yeah. But now, Steve, uh, we we've talked about you know we mentioned the the Family Guy affiliation. I want to start with a with what I think is just a bizarre, hilarious story about you. So. You grew up in California, correct? Where tell I us did. what what was the name of the town? Uh so I well, that's a complicated question. Not that complicated, but I grew mm-hmm. up in Northern California, yeah. um, mostly in a town called Danville, which is in the East mm, Bay near San Francisco. Yeah. And then my parents decided that uh, it was a perfect time to move right in between my sophomore and junior year Ooh. of high school. So then oh, I, yeah. Yeah. So then Terrible. I spent the last two years uh in a place oh. called I went to a school at a place called Grass Valley, which uh-huh. is in gold country. Uh, it's in the foothills of the Sierras. If anyone's ever even heard of it, it's because they, their grandmother retired there, right. or because they passed it on the way to go skiing in Tahoe. So, but right. I'm in Northern California. So you're near, you're near Eureka up there, is what you're saying? Uh, no, that's you're thinking like Northern Northern California. This is okay. more like the town I just described is sort of halfway between Sacramento and Tahoe. Okay. Oh, well, okay. you say so you inland. say gold, Boy, you say that gold is, country. That I say is Eureka. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It literally is nowhere. It's well, the then, I mean, that's just like like maybe you. P like standing shielding yourself with your car door on the side of the road there. <laughs> oh, so you've been there. <laughs> yeah. you, you described it perfectly. Well, so this is what I want to get into because yeah. I was I was at on hand for one of the most bizarre stories that I've ever lived through. I now, think I know the story you're talking yes, about. Yes. So yeah. tell tell us a little bit about an interesting, peculiar man you had living in your town growing up. <laughs> Tell okay, the story. Right. All right. I love this. Okay. So, well, I think we were in the Family Guy writer's room. I had a paper out when I was a young boy. Shocker. Um, <laughs> yes. Ever since I was like 13 or 14. And and actually at the time, to be really honest, I had two paper outs because I was just that kind of ambitious young idiot. <laughs> um, and one of the paper outs took me through kind of like an, uh, an apartment complex or like a series of townhomes. And when I would walk the route in the morning, this was early, not many people were out. There was often a guy out there walking his Scotty dog. This is what you're talking about, right, Alec? Yes, okay, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no polite way to say this other than he was... Even even as a you know fourteen year old in the eighties, I I knew that this guy was gay. He was very he was like kind of like almost like a, a stereotype of what you'd see on on Three's, Three's Company at the time. Right, you know, right Just right. very mincing his voice. And, and I'm just saying the fact of the situation. Yeah. So anyway, so he would be out there walking his Scotty dog, and he he'd sidle up next to me, and you know oh. sort of I, before I knew this was a thing, he was like grooming me, you know, and yeah. and then at times <laughs> he would literally. Like put his hand on my crotch, like over my pants, but like on my what? crotch, and, and it was obscured. It was beneficial for him because it was obscured by the satchel of newspapers that I had in right. front and in back of me. And then Wait. he would sometimes simultaneously put his other hand 
on my ass. What? And I'm like, I'm like 13. I don't know what's going. You know, I'm like yeah. just nervous and scared. I just try to walk faster and get away You're from just, him. I would just a six two 13 year old trying <laughs> yeah, to go exactly. about his business. <laughs> but I would, I would it came to the point where I would alter my route to try yeah. to avoid him but well, he would, yeah. he'd find me yep. and then the other thing is at the this was back in the days where nothing was online of course so i, I had to collect the the subscription fee at the end of the month so all of my subscribers at the end of the month it was such a pain in the ass yeah. now that i look back on yeah. it and i had to go back if people weren't home so i had to go door to door saying hi i'm collecting for the time it was the contra costa times and so when i would go to this guy's house usually people would like Oh, wait right here. They hand me some cash or write a check. And he, he'd invite me into his house oh, yep. so that he could very, uh, you know, sort of leisurely and slowly write a check. And I'm not joking. He would be in a robe that he would sit, he'd light up a cigarette as he sits down and start to very slowly write this check. And then he would, you know, accidentally, I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see me, accidentally let the robe fall open. And he was fucking naked. Like oh, his, my God. His, his, yeah. So his... This adult man is there. And, and I'm he had just a trying dick to... and everything? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Very much. And I, I, even though I'm trying to look at every part of the room other than, than there. Yeah, yeah. And I would just get the check and just get out of there as quickly as I could. And I, I never told anyone about it. Not yes. my parents. No one. Just because I was so like scared and ashamed. And it was just awful. Yeah. So anyway, that's the background. Fun story, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I get yeah. Thanks, yeah. Alex. No, so, no, no, no. Wait, wait till this. So I ended up telling that story in the Family Guy writer's room one day, yes. years ago. Uh, and so it led to, you know, we were talking about, oh, people, where do you live? Where, where did this happen? We went on, we pulled up Google Maps and we went to Street View and we're going through. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is the, this is the gate where I walk through and then I make a right here. And, you know, because you can navigate your way through Google Maps. And I'm walking and I'm, and I'm getting kind of chills just seeing this place again that I haven't thought of in, yeah. you know, many, many years. And we're going going along. Yeah, I was up here, and he lived on the right. And then one of the writers, I, my recollection was that it was Artie, but I don't know. I don't even know if he was on staff at the time. But somebody was like, "What's that thing in the distance there?" And as we get closer, and get closer, and get closer, it's a guy oh in a green robe walking a dog <laughs> with white hair, like oh. now an old man. Like that's it's gotta be the same oh. fucking guy. I mean, the whole room just erupted, and we we're like, oh my god, that he, he's on Google Maps. He still lives there. It was, I mean, I never have I had such a oh. stunning moment. I mean, it Alec, was you were there. It yes. was chilling. It was electric. I was there too. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the, and, the, and the thing was, it was so electric that it spilled out into the gag rooms. I remember that like it went, it, the, the, the news went out like you or other people went out and we were all, all the gag rooms were looking at this guy on Google Maps. Like, where it it was, was the same. It was exactly as I described too. Out yeah. there with his dog yep. in his wow. little slippers. And a robe. And he, in a robe. And I still remember the dog's name because the dog's name was Duffy. He'd always go, oh, because he talked to the dog. Oh. He would do that that kind of weird passive aggressive thing people do where they, they talk to their dog, but they're, but they're really talking, talking to, you. to you. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Duffy. You know, and I'm, I feel bad imitating his voice. But that was what the voice was. He was like, oh, Duffy. This young man certainly uh, out for a stroll. To, or whatever he would say. But it was like he didn't want to say it to me because maybe even he knew that was – I don't know. It's, it's so telling about your personality, by the way, that 
you feel bad doing an imitation of this. Like, <laughs> no, I want to be it. discourteous here. <laughs> I'm going to be disrespectful to this guy who molested me <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a prepubescent. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It was... It was so shocking. Yeah. And, yes. it, and it, 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 the fact that it it hit every bullet point of what I had described, except yes. now it was, you know, 20 or 25 years into the future. Yeah. And now the guy clearly was an old man. It Unbelievable. was unreal. Yeah. Unbelievable. JC, you're hearing this story for the first time, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. It was crazy. Absolutely. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. We, we may it's have shocking. to put well, I, I Maybe I'm wrong, but I do remember, first of all, I wouldn't. Be surprised if you still had two paper roots, do you? <laughs> I do, actually. I do. I get up at four thirty. Yeah. And God damn it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were still up there. Like you were like, I have to be loyal to my customers and drive up to Grass Valley and get them there. And you were just the, doing this before the family. People of Contra Costa need to know. But I, I feel like did we I, I thought we maybe got into that because there's a writer, a family guy we've talked about a, a million times, Tom Devaney, and he always used to go to this bar across the street, Marie Callender's, and that the Google Earth photo yes. of our office was oh, him yeah. walking to Callender. And then I felt like that led us to go, oh, let's show each other our childhood homes, maybe. <laughs> I, so I think something and, like that, and yeah. And we were doing that, but like that, I don't want to lose that part of the story that there was a writer who was just <laughs> drank so much. Mid on his way to get a drink at like 2 p.m. That's absolutely floor. right. That's yes. absolutely right. Yeah, this, no, I, CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Go ahead, Steve. No, no, I was just going to say this this guy that I was describing, though, in in many, many ways is very much Herbert. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, Robe. Uh, Yes. To to a T. And the fact that, like, I, when we first meet Herbert in Family Guy, it's because he lives along Chris's paper route. Yeah. And it actually, Herbert first appeared in an episode that I happen to write. I can't really take a lot of credit for it because it was a voice that Mike Henry was doing in the writer's room just to make us all laugh well before that. But I think the paper route element of it might have come from so long ago. I don't remember. But um, so, yeah, it's kind of like a real life Herbert. But you're right, Tom. Cannot get to the bar fast enough. Right. <laughs> it, was, it, was the only, it was the only time I've ever seen Tom blurred with speed. He was like walking across to yeah, calendars. Those, those speed, cartoon speed lines coming yeah, out. Exactly. Of, he, looked oh like, he looked like uh, Zippy the postal code guy heading <laughs> across to the bar. Oh my but God, that's yeah, a great Tom, uh, and Tom always, because we bring it up to give him shit, and he always has some like weird counter argument like he was heading in the other direction which was false <laughs> he was clearly <laughs> heading towards calendars so yeah 
Because what's over there that he could otherwise be traveling yeah, for? Yeah. Well, in, in fairness, there are a few doctor's offices across the street, <laughs> so there's, there's plausible deniability there. Uh, anyway, I always fa- I I always think about that story. Uh, wow, I did not think I was going to be telling that story, but I know. I, I, I'm it's, glad that you brought that up. I, I feel love, like we need a content label warning on this episode. Oh, we have Maybe. it. We have it already. Yeah, oh, we got it already. Um, <laughs> So, well, you you brought up that Herbert was in uh, an early episode you wrote. Do you remember what episode that was? Y- yes, I do. It's it's called to. Well, again, funny question because I titled it one thing and then the title sort of changed by a mistake on the part of Fox Broadcasting Network. Oh, um, I called it. They made a better title. I called it to love and die in Dixie. Because yes. Chris ends up witnessing a, a, a robbery, and then they, Griffiths have to go into witness protection, and they end up moving to the Deep South. Right. And, but then it, someone, I think someone at, at Fox, when they were putting the title on for your TiVo or whatever, they're like, well, he couldn't possibly have meant to love and die in Dixie. That makes no sense. So the episode has come to be known as to live and die in Dixie, which is fine. Uh, yeah. um, but that's I the see, one. Yeah. I think that was like <laughs> maybe the second episode I wrote. It oh, was wow. that, and what season was that? Oh one? no, no, it wasn't. It was season three. So actually, it was it was not the second one I wrote. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was season three. Okay. All right. Oh my god. What season did you ago. start? I started on day one. Oh JC. my god! I didn't know that. That was a nice softball question you tossed me. <laughs> um, yes, I, I I started Family Guy on day one, and wow. I have uh, I have worked on I think every episode of the show. I, there was even a wow. uh, half a season where I, I I was running American Dad, and so I sort of yeah you know left for a, a little bit, but. Um, our process takes so long that yes. by the time I came back, there I, I got to at least contribute a little something or other to every episode. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Incredible. So when when you say day one, that's 1998, right? 1998, yes. And then 1990s, in the last millennium, yeah. I started working on Family Guy. <laughs> that is just um, amazing. I was I was still sleeping in my ex-girlfriend's top bunk bed in 1998. <laughs> that was a true story. Uh, we, we, I lived with her in the apartment where she grew up, and it was her childhood bedroom, and it was bunk beds, and I slept in the top bunk, and she was in the bottom bunk, and I slept with my face like four inches from like old cutout from Rolling Stone Kevin Bacon photos. Oh, my God. <laughs> like it was just... Wow. Was Wait, this was her, her childhood home? It was her childhood home. It was so. Her, her, were her parents living there? too? Her parents were there, and her grandmother was there oh. in the living room. And her her grandmother, who was obviously quite old and a very little uh, Jewish Armenian woman, she and I used to have this silent war because, like, I was living there for, uh, I mean, almost a year, I think, and. I would come home with my little snacks that I would buy, and I would. One of the things I loved were the box of Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies, which are like the greatest thing. And there would be so many times where I would come out to the living room, which was basically where she lived, and I'd be like, Oh, you know, hi, Nanny, how are you? And she'd be like, How are you? She was clearly eating my cookies. Like, she was just like a mouthful of my cookies, and I just would go into my room and I'm like, Ugh. Eating my cookies. I'm living there for free. Uh, anyway, that was a weird side. Is she on Google Earth? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Goldie. She's a Google six feet under the earth, and sadly, oh, oh, she they should have that. I'm not getting that. <laughs> they should have that Google death. That Google grave. I'm intrigued by the by the fact that you bought your own snacks. Now, did you was the food separate, or do you they fed you and you but no. you want to have your own separate private snacks? Yeah, yeah, separate. no, okay. no. The my ex girlfriend's mother was like 
one of the best people I've encountered in my life. So sweet, amazing cook. Would, you know, cook all the time, oh. loved cooking, uh, and I loved all the food. So she she had, like, a very happy new customer and me who, like, every yeah. meal was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so she kind of, like, loved that. Yeah. Um, so, no, the meals were, you know, made for the most part. But it, the little – I didn't want to make them buy me, like, Coca-Cola and, and right. cookies. And, and you know, so yeah. Well, you're very considerate house guest. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're a considerate house guest. You're living rent-free. <laughs> <laughs> Dash his own cookies and complain when an old woman took one. And, and to give you an idea of the era and, and what a considerate guest I was, and and in fairness, my ex girlfriend did as well. We both smoked in her room. Like we just, they would come in, we'd be like smoking cigarettes, and, oh my God. and the mom would be like, "Could you just stand closer to the window?" I'm like, "All right." <laughs> okay, I retract what I said. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was a different different time. We didn't know cigarettes were bad then. Who knew? Yeah, no. Who knew no. in 1997? Uh, anyway, um, nice stroll down memory lane. So, Steve, we, uh, unbeknownst to you. Well, hang on one second. I'm curious. Yeah. How did you end up at Family Guy then? Because it's sort of your first job. You were Did you go to film school, I forget, or just undergrad UCLA? Um, no. So, I'll, I, yeah, I'll tell you real quick because um, I always feel like it's such a boring story. But um, so, I, so I went to UCLA. And so my last quarter there, I got an internship that led to a PA job on a live action sitcom that only lasted one season. And I, you know, I was like young and an idiot. And I just, I don't know, I, I just was like, well, there's got to be a better way to do this, you know? And so I, I thought I, I would go back and work and do stand up and sketch comedy and this and that. And so I left that, when that show ended, yeah. I was actually given an opportunity. It's so funny. There was one writer on the show who approached me at the end of that show and very nice guy. I loved him. And he and he was like, hey, I'm going to be starting a new show soon. And I'd love if you'd come and be a PA on the show for me. And I was like, because I was dumb and 21 <laughs> or 22. I was like, no, thanks. And that, that show that show turned out to be the Larry Sanders show. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. But, wow. uh, I, you know, everything worked out. Everything worked yeah, out yeah, fine. Yeah. But I, there were years along the way where I was kicking myself like, you know, why don't I why don't I follow Dennis <laughs> Klein to the Larry Sanders show? <laughs> um, but anyway, so I went I went back to uh, grad school. I worked for a little bit. I, w- I went to grad school. I have a master's in public policy, Goldie. Oh, um, wow. that's oh. absolutely no yeah, use maybe, to me whatsoever. Well, maybe you can fix the potholes on Wilshire for God's right? sake. Right, I know. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, while I was in grad school, I spent more time uh, just writing spec scripts and doing sketch comedy and all that stuff than I did, you know, actually doing my school. And that's actually where I started uh, performing and writing sketches at the Acme Comedy Theater where I met a little someone you may know called Alex Borstein, uh-huh. um, even before Family Guy. So I knew okay. her. Um, we we did sketches there together. She and I co-wrote a, uh, one sketch that I, I still laugh about when I think it was called Smitty's Believe It or Don't. And it was like a, it was like a low rent, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. And our whole gig, gig was just that, like, she and I were like a foot and a half or two feet apart in height and we happened to be married to each other and so it was just like a whole series of just dumb sight gags of like me sort of standing up very tall and putting my hands out and she could literally walk (laughs) under my arms without crouching a bit or she's trying to reach something on a high shelf and i could like get it for and there'd be like a drum roll and a you know believe it or don't smitty's believe it or don't yeah um Anyway, so I, I, I'm getting off track, but I, I no, had a lot of fun um, with Alex Borstein there. And then it reached a point where I was like, I, I was finishing my master's degree and I was like, okay, this is a bit of a crossroads for me. Do I, I either continue on further and get like an even higher degree? And that was going to be my other path. I could be path. the funny mayor 
Oh, well, no, I, what I thought ultimately I was going to maybe do is like go into academia, like maybe be like a professor or something. Yeah. And, and yeah. in fact, when I was in grad school, I was a TA. Uh, I loved it. It was so fun. Like that was sort of the path not taken. But I, I reached that point where I re- finished my master's. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like I was like kind of young and stupid earlier. I gave up a little too easily. I'm going to like throw everything I can into trying to get a job in TV again. And even if I fail, I'd rather fail Trying. having given it my full yeah. effort than, yeah. you know, live to regret it later. And so uh, yeah, that's I, the opposite of me and Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just like I was literally just like cold calling. I was opening up, you know, Variety and the Hollywood Reporter. This is how long ago it was. There were print Amazing. copies of things, you know, and like yeah. just cold calling. And uh, just anyway, I ended up getting hired uh, as a writer's assistant on the first season of Family Guy. And that was partly because I, I can say partly, but like a big part of it was um, David Zuckerman, who I didn't know him well, but I sort of knew him through, uh, you know, my sister went to high school with him. Like we had kind of a, you know, distant connection. Yeah. And kind of guy I would, I would call like once every two or three years. He's like, hey, I'm still out here. Hey, you know, just yeah. kind of yeah. keep in touch with. And at that time, I thought he was still working on King of the Hill because the last time I talked to him, he was on King of the Hill. So I was reaching out to him to kind of be like, hey, is there a PA job or anything on King of the Hill? And he yeah. he was like, well, actually, I'm leaving King of the Hill to go do this thing called Family Guy. And uh, so I interviewed with he and Seth and uh, became a writer's assistant in season one. That's so. amazing. Amazing. But then, of course, the thing is, like, you worked on the show for a couple seasons, and I was fortunate enough to be, you know, bumped up to a staff writer in season two and so on. And I was like, this is great. And then the show got canceled. Oh, yeah. and repeatedly uh, repeatedly yes <laughs> and you know it sucked but we all kind of realized like that's you know what working in tv is and yeah. great seeing you great working with you so hope to see you soon you know and we all left and um you know and then the big joke between us was we were like yeah we'll see you when family guy comes back haha you know and little did we know how <laughs> right we ended up being yeah. so I know. and I, I mean yeah, thank God. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, because in the interim, I worked on a couple shows. I worked on a show Mark Henteman created. Oh. Um, what was uh, that called? It was called Three South, and it was on MTV, and it was really fun and funny. Mark Henteman, obviously a co coworker and yes. um, fellow yes. writer and executive. Real estate ours. magnate. Real estate, Real estate yeah. magnate. Have... Mobile, yeah. Ha-ha. <laughs> there he is. There's Mark. Yeah. Mark's Mark, with us. Mark is awesome, and he uh, so he hired me on that show, and then I – did some writing for a live action show. I was on CBS, but there was a period there where I was not working. And, um, and I still remember standing in the kitchen at my old house and getting a phone call from Seth. And he was like, um, Hey, I had this meeting at Fox today and they're talking about me bringing back the show. And I remember very clearly in my head, cause Seth was, you know, younger than, um, one of the younger, mm-hmm. uh, youngest creators of TV at the, of a TV show at the time. I remember my head thinking like, oh, this poor guy yeah. is hanging on to false hope. I know. He just needs to let it go. You know, but I was like, oh, that's great. You know, let me know. <laughs> Thank the Lord it came back. And uh, yeah. And then that's when I first started working with you, Alec. And yes. that was like, what, 2004 or something? Yep. yep. But that yep. was the other weird thing. It's like we started working in 2004. Showed wasn't going to air for a year, so we were all just kind of like holding our breath and crossing our fingers and hoping anyone would still remember or care yeah. about the show, and thankfully they they did. Yeah, <laughs> no, I remember it because coming on in 2004 was basically the equivalent of like coming uh, to Normandy the week after D-Day. <laughs> I was just sort of like, I'm like, this is easy. What's everyone complaining about? Just run up on the beat. It's fine. There's nobody here. Like, it was just a great experience where I feel like once the 
you know, at that first table read, as I'm sure you remember when we came back north by yeah. north, uh, Kohog, yeah, the, the, just the reaction in the room was electric. And then yeah. as the show built towards the re-premiering, it was like, oh, this is this is great. Now they're not, they're not going to cancel it again. Yeah. Do you remember in the lead up to that re-premiere in 2005, we did a couple of um, what they called Family Guy Live events? Yes. And that those were, that to me was when I first realized like, oh, I think people actually are excited about the show coming back, you know, because yes. it had been off the air for two or three years. But I, ironically, it actually seemed like it gained in popularity during the time when it was not in production because you probably the same for you, but I would hear, hear story after story of someone saying like, Oh, my friend showed me the episodes on the DVDs or I watched the reruns on the cartoon network. And you know, and it was like building an audience when it was at its most dormant phase. Totally. And we got, we got to give a quick shout out. Thank you because he needs our help to Gary Newman, uh, former uh, Fox president, because apparently from everything I've heard, he was the one who really led the charge to bring the show back within the network. Oh, cool. That's my understanding as well. And like, yeah. we're so thankful. I mean, like, we wouldn't uh, wouldn't be yeah. here still doing what we're doing. And so thank you, Gary. You're abso- absolutely right. Gary for- Newman. Um, so, Steve, what I was saying earlier is unbeknownst to you, we oh. have uh, sent out on Twitter. We've asked Twitter folks to ask questions about Family Guy because we know that there's no better resource for Family Guy answers than you. So we have a few here, I think Goldie, uh, I sent you a few, and uh, I have a few, and we'll just we'll go through some and see what kind of all right interesting thoughts we have. So I'll do my best. The first to one, do my duty to God and my country, <laughs> there to you help go. other people at all times, <laughs> to obey the scout law, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Okay, oh, here we yes. go. Let's do it. <laughs> I thought their motto was just be prepared. Well, see, it's interesting, Alec. Um, that is the motto, but there's also the scout oath and the scout law. The scout law is a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Um, I couldn't remember that. If you told me you need in a year to recite that and i started preparing today i could not i mean your memory this is one of the things that to me is incredible about you is you're like a walking encyclopedia both of family guy and non-family guy stuff but like i can't remember the episode we're working on currently like i walk in every day i walk into a room it's like I've quantum leaped in there and I have to figure out what is happening and who everyone is again. And you effortlessly like these episodes that are now 20 years old, you know, someone will pitch a story like, you know, the Griffins get solar energy. And you're like, well, in episode season four, you know, episode three, we did a cutaway of them having solar panels. So I, I mean, is this just something like, I, do you, you know, just well, have it, you like a Marlo that. Thomas-esque perfect memory or is it you like Marilou Marilou Henner Marilou Henner see even that I can't do (laughs) I get that wrong um well first of all I appreciate that um I don't know well I think with the scout stuff in particular like stuff you learn when you're a kid somehow just sticks in your brain but also I think maybe with family I don't know I think I generally do have a good memory if you ask my wife she will say I do but um I and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I bless my lack of memory sometimes. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not going to remember this fight we're in right now. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> no, I think with Family Guy, I, I just love the show so much that, I don't know, maybe because of my excitement and emotional connection to it, it makes the memories yeah, burn well, brighter. Well, that's something oh, I was going to nice. bring up later. But since you, you brought it up now, like I, I've never... and. Uh, 
I feel like you get ridiculed for this within the family oh, yeah. guy within the family guy room is like you genuinely care about the show more than anyone and including Seth <laughs> like, Seth, 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 if you're listening, don't 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 listen to what he said. No, don't Seth. say don't hold it against me. But <laughs> no, it's it's true. You have a uh, a level of care for it. Doesn't matter if you're working on you know an act blow for a show, a triplet in a show, or coming up with an entire show idea. So what I guess my question is there is like, how do you maintain that level of caring about something that's like, you know, a cartoon? Like, how, how do you care? <laughs> no, it's, you care? it's very silly. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I know we've been joking a lot about it, but I think I just have like a, um, you know, a strong work ethic and I feel like I'm a very yeah, principled person. And I just, if I'm going to do, you know. My dad used to say, if, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Um, I don't know. I just feel like as a viewer, as a consumer of media, I, I want to feel like the people creating it are giving it 100%. Because if I'm, as a viewer, like giving my time and, and attention to it, then yeah. I want, I feel like it's a sign of respect to the audience, you know, well, to like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you yeah, definitely, you definitely, ra- you know, uh, you raise all of our grades. The curve goes up because of, <laughs> because of you there. And so let me get, let me get to this first question. It's okay. a pretty simple one. It's from Bridget. Thank you, Bridget. Not the Bridget we know, I don't think. Okay. Um, it's, uh, the question's a simple one. What uh, was your favorite episode to write? And what was your mm. favorite episode to watch? Oh. Oh, funny. wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I should say, even though you were saying, you know, that I've written all these episodes, I mean, I think, and you guys have talked about it repeatedly on here, but please, everyone should know that it's a very, very collaborative process. So of everyone course. works on it. You know, yeah. So, so when I say I wrote an episode, all I mean, all it means is, yeah, but you know, we, and, yeah, but, it, it's a collaborative process, but you're the, the writer's the one leading the charge on those particular yeah. episodes. So it's a reflection uh-huh. of the writer, I feel like. Yeah, well, I I wrote an episode a couple of seasons ago called uh, "A Lot Going On Upstairs," and 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 it came out of at least a story came out of this idea of like Stewie having his first nightmare, right? And and that was a good one. Yeah, and then Brian has to help him by going literally. Stewie builds a device that enables Brian to go into Stewie's sleeping mind and sort of vanquish this monster that's been plaguing him. And I just thought, hey, it seems relatable because like you know when you have little kids, like they have nightmares um but it felt like a fun opportunity to take this character of stewie griffin who is you know has so much going on in his brain and like literally see go in there and see what's going on and i know it was really fun for the director who i I believe was shoot i don't want to get this wrong but i think it was joe vox yeah Um, that sounds like something that 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 sounds like something he would be great at yeah and and really sort of so i think it was a fun episode both kind of story wise and comedically but also visually uh, it was sort of a great blend of of all those elements. Yeah, so that that's was an episode. A great I, one. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. And then what was the other one? Oh, what I enjoyed watching. Watching. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to say uh, Road to the Multiverse, uh, yeah. which I did not write, but you know, oh. I, I was there for and worked on. But um, that's just a really fun, cool episode. Just because you know that second act in particular is just like gag upon gag upon gag, and uh, and we really put a lot of effort and I think even money into it because yes. uh, there's some production value there that, that you don't see in a typical episode. So that, that's cool. really fun to watch. 
That was a great one. That was written yeah, by Wellesley Wilde. Yeah, the whole robot chicken stop action thing. Yeah, Wellesley wrote oh, yeah. that. Did a great Wellesley job. wrote that. Yeah, very very funny. Most people like put that at or near the top of their favorite episodes list. And I, I think for me and Goldie, I don't know what what your experience w- uh, was in terms of like favorite one to to watch, but for me, it had to be North by North Quahog only because it all then all of a sudden it was all real. Like you know, we we had been yeah. sitting around and. And, and joking around in the writer's room for months. And then finally to see it, I, I remember and like cue up the Danny quote for this, but like <laughs> I, when when the Family Guy theme played for yeah. the first time uh, when we were watching uh, the color of that episode, yeah. like I'll never forget that feeling. Like that was awesome. Like it just, uh, you know what? I get goosebumps. Yeah, I got just goosebumps <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah, there he is. There's Danny. <laughs> Yeah, you're um, but, like, this is a real TV show. But, but Goldie, I don't know if, like, was there something when you were early on the show and, and, and watching it, or did you ever watch it at home, or do you kind of record them and watch them later, or do you, do you just not watch them? Um, so that I came sounds, later. That sounds guys. like C. That sounds this like is where C. we need Tom to say, <laughs> haven't caught it. Haven't caught it. Which is a famous uh, Tom Devaney quote. We I came that. in somewhere, like, midway between season seven and then was left at season 10 or something so i i missed a lot and then i i've seen probably a half half of the family guys i mean to me the one that always stands out is the is the bank vault oh um, yeah great yeah, which we talked about with gary yeah i would say that would be like yeah. the, the episode that made the greatest impression on me yeah and gary cool. of course written by uh, gary Janetti, um who's another fantastic Family Guy writer, and that episode, so is, as we've talked about on the show, is the only episode that I can remember where nothing was changed from his draft. So wow. that you know that never happens, but it it happened on that episode for Gary. Uh, and yeah, so that's a fantastic episode. <laughs> I know, I know. Yep, yeah, we should be scared of him. Acerbic tongue. Um, all right, so now I I want to get to a question from. Robbie Fox, our good friend over at uh, at Barstool, he wrote, "Which episodes did the writers' room have the most fun working on?" And then a follow up question: Do you remember any specific bits that had you guys rolling? And mm. it seems like that kind of a lot of that blends into one. But uh, if there's anything that stands out to you, Steve, because I'll tell you what came better. to mind. Yeah, um, is that. I remember having a lot of fun working on the first Star Wars episode, and you yep. you you wrote a fantastic script. But it it, it was it, it was so fun, like getting to share and all the brilliance you brought to it. Um, I know I remember Seth being particularly excited, and yes. and the amount we were excited about that first Star Wars episode stands in stark contrast to how excited we were for the third one. Yeah, <laughs> I remember slogging through that third one, going oh, the- another stormtrooper joke. <laughs> I know. Jesus, I know. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I often reference you uh, when I talk about the the Star Wars episode because I remember vividly um, when we were gag passing uh, that episode. That is to say, like when a bunch of the writers were, and I think we were all together. It wasn't even a small room; it was the entire staff, and we all watched cool. Star Wars together in the writer's room and we were just shouting out jokes at different spots, which is already like a very fun scenario. And Steve, you were 
uh, one of the people, and there were a few of you, but I would say it was barely the minority of people who weren't really big Star Wars fans. And didn't, I've definitely seen it, but I yeah. wasn't. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, you didn't yeah. know it line by line like Star, no. like real Star Wars <laughs> geeky fans do. So I remember we were watching it, and there's a, a scene in Star Wars where they're escaping from the Death Star and the Millennium Falcon, and they're being chased down by these TIE fighters, and it's a whole little, it's a mini battle in space, and they're fighting them off. And and Luke shoots one of the TIE fighters, blows it up, and he, he turns around and he says, I got him, I got him. And Han says to Luke in the movie, he says, great kid, don't get cocky. And you immediately pitched, you you know the line. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's, it's said, going. great kid, don't get penisy. <laughs> right, which which but I think it probably did it as, as Peter, but yeah. <laughs> that, and that is in the show. And that, that line always <laughs> stuck out to me. And like, it's because it, it, it's very funny. And also it's a, a great example of, I've watched that movie a hundred times and that joke had never occurred to me, but sometimes with fresh comedic eyes, you, you come up with these things that are sort of right there for the taking. So that, that was a very fun experience. That's so funny because I remember seeing Star Wars in the theater and because I was such a like kind of a goody two shoes kid, when they, when he says that line in the movie, I remember in my child brain thinking, can he say that? Uh, it's got that. <laughs> so that's why that line stuck with me because it seems so profane. <laughs> because I, I don't know if I've ever if I had ever heard the word cocky before. Or something, you know, or something. I was learning that word for the first time. Well, because like, no I one. This ever... was PG. <laughs> cocky. Uh, God. Oh, well. Okay. So here, here's that's another sweet. question from Frank Lopez. Frank, thanks for the question. Have you met a lot of celebrities that you've roasted on the show and have any of them ever brought it up to you? So I guess that is to say, have you ever run into someone and said, I write for Family Guy and they say, well, fuck you? <laughs> uh, not, they've never said that to me, but I did have an awkward encounter. So I was at, I don't even remember what it was. It was like a Fox party or something. And I ended up in a conversation with David Spade. Yeah, And we were talking and I knew in my head that we had kind of a not very flattering David Spade joke, like in, in the pipeline, it hadn't aired yet. Right. And, and I think we had done one before that, that he was still kind of smarting over. And so he, he was kind of, he, he wasn't like, you know, telling me to screw myself or anything like that, but he was like kind of grousing a little bit to me about yeah. what we had said to him previously on the show. And in my brain, I'm just sitting there with my drink, smiling, thinking, oh, God, buddy, you got no idea what's coming. Because <laughs> the one that was coming up was even harsher. Um, and he, and then I felt bad because he's he was super nice and yeah. funny, sweet guy. That's, that's funny. Yeah. If, if anyone should be able to tolerate that. It should yeah, be David Spade. And, and, and I'll, I'll give you a specific story. I'm sure we all remember some version of this story, but... When um, I was working as a writer's assistant on Saturday Night Live, Spade was often doing that thing during the news called Hollywood Minute, where oh, he yeah, would yeah, basically yeah. just like make fun of people for, you know, for a minute. And there was a famous one where, and I was there for this, where they showed a picture of Eddie Murphy and he says, oh, look, kids, a falling star. And no, the audience, that, oh. the audience was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a whole follow-up to that, which I was sort of indirectly a part of, where I'm at the writer's assistant desk. I get a phone call late in the next week, and it's Eddie Murphy's people looking oh for God. David Spade. Oh, so my God. I 
had to go find David Spade. I, of course, I knew he was right down the hall. And I said, Eddie Murphy's calling for you. And he said, tell him I'm, you know, busy in a meeting. And so I go back, say he's busy. They call back again and say, Eddie knows the schedule there. He knows that David's not <laughs> oh. busy, which is 100% right. 100%. He was 100% right. So, so I had to go back with that information oh to David's <laughs> And I remember, messenger. I believe Tim Meadows was in the room with him, and Tim Meadows was like, man, you got to take that call. Like, and so <laughs> David Spade just took his, you know, took his lumps. But, I mean, if anyone knows something about roasting someone and then yeah. having to kind of deal and with it. And I feel it. like Murphy didn't really go back until that, like, the last time he was on which was maybe last year right because of that i feel like he really took that personally well i've heard uh spade talk about this on a couple of uh you know like howard stern or or things like that and apparently eddie murphy was very pissed about it for quite a while um but they reconciled at there was that like snl 40th thing where everybody showed up that black tie thing yeah and i guess i think i remember being kind of a big deal that eddie murphy was there for that yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I guess they kind of made made their their piece Amendment. there. Okay. Good. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, that's uh, and and we're huge David Spade fans on here. Not that he'll ever. I love David Spade, and I love David Spade. Yeah. Yeah. And, He's fine. He's <laughs> fine. You 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 worked you worked for him, so you have a different perspective. Okay. Yeah, but then he like kind of blew me off at one of Seth's part. I went to say hello, and he was like, "Hey," and it's like, "Yeah, oh. I." I I don't have to say hello. I just I <laughs> actually do know you. I, wasn't, yeah. I don't want anything from you. So, you know, exactly. Since then, it's kind of like, you know, if someone wants to take a shot at him, I'm not going to tell them not to. Right. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, it so often happens on Family Guy. I mean, we've taken shots at so many people, and some people take it as a badge of honor, which is great, and we love that. And most famously, Steve, I think you can tell yes. this story. You saw me light up because I was like, oh, yes. I, do you want to tell it? I don't, I don't no, know. No, go ahead, please. So we uh, – well, help me fill in any details I might be forgetting, but we yeah. did a, a cutaway about Peter writing a letter to Carrie Elways. Yes, and, from Princess Bride, Carrie Elways. From Princess yeah. Bride, right. Yeah. And, and it was – it written in that way where it sounds like it's flattering, but it's very not flattering. You yes. know? And uh, just taking shot after shot after shot in a 20 second span. At, and I think at one Ke- of the th- one of the things in the letter was like, are you still famous? You know, like it was <laughs> yes. just like a, that was part of his letter. Dear Carrie Elways. Like, you know, that was sort of the upshot of it is like, does anyone know or care about who you are? Basically. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that episode aired on a Sunday night because new episodes are on Sunday nights on Fox. Um and the following day, Monday morning, who shows up at our office at the reception area but Carrie Elways. Oh, my God. Yes. And he makes his way into the writer's room to read a letter he had written 
which was a response to Peter's letter. Oh it was God. brilliant. And I, I think I still have it on my phone. Yeah, video, I mean, shot a video. I was there. We all had to pretend it was about 15% funnier than it was in the moment. <laughs> I don't like, know. It was I, okay. But I was touched. I was touched by it. I thought it was cool. I thought, it, but it was like, I also wish someone had helped him with his letter. <laughs> okay that that being said i think it's still a really cool move to like yes to, yeah. to do it show up there in person read it to right us yeah. it was yeah. great and not only was it like funny and and it's such a great moment it ended up leading to work because he i mean he works all the time yeah. but he he became a friend of the show after that yes. and then we had him record voices on i think i mean probably at least 10 episodes. Yeah, I've been, recorded him since I've been. Yeah, he's been in many episodes. He was uh, most recently uh, when when Brian found the the family that gave him up, he was the father. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, he's he he does a lot of stuff for us and he had a fantastic attitude. Um, here's here's another question. What was your honest reaction to the South Park parody? And follow-up question, did anyone consider firing back? There was a South Park parody of Family Guy. Oh, famously. It, it wrecked our lives for a few years. Oh, I have to watch it. That's great. I, I remember thinking it was funny. Um, I, he, my, honest, my honest reaction is this. My honest reaction is like, and it's a little bit like what we were talking about with David Spade. Like we, over the years, have taken shots at so many different people and different things yeah. that, you know, we'd be hypocrites if we, to, to like get all, you know, get our panties yeah. in a bunch because someone, you know, made a joke about, or, you know, a series of jokes about Family Guy. Like, I feel like... It's all kind of part of the same spirit of like being a comedy writer and, you know, and yes. uh, yeah. being as open to someone making fun of you as you are to making fun of them. Yeah. So I, right. I actually have always been a big South Park fan. I love the episode. I thought it was really funny. Well, now awesome. see, it's interesting because I think my reactions to it are different. My reaction now is different than it was at the time because now we're... 15, you know, 12, 15 years past that, that we're both still on the air. You know, we have millions of fans. They have thousands of fans. It's all going great. (laughs) But I think at the time, as you can probably tell by that answer, uh, at the time I wasn't, I wasn't mad about, I wasn't, I didn't begrudge them their right to do it. And I wasn't certainly not, I wasn't offended in any way, but my instinct at the time, and I remember sort of pushing hard for this in the room and ultimately losing, but I thought we should fire back. Like I wanted Mm. to show them like, oh, you want to play here? We can play. (laughs) Or you're going to throw a rock at us. Here comes a rocket launcher. You know, like I wanted to kind of go back at them. But Seth always wanted to take the high road. And uh, who knows in retrospect? I mean, obviously everything worked out for everyone, but yeah, I think it would have been a nice opportunity that when people talk about South Park shitting on us, they can say, oh, well, then Family Guy did this, shitting on them. Right. Again, All it's just fun. like the comedian, the comedic urge to sort of like, oh, you want to come at me with a roast? Like, here comes yeah. your roast. Right. So um, I was always a little disappointed we didn't do that, but... We're all still collecting the paychecks, biting the <laughs> biting the coins before we bring them to the bank. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, this one I I, I picked because uh, uh, for Goldie here. Who wrote the songs in the episode where Peter and Quagmire form the acoustic duo? And then added on the end, I've actually never put butter on a pop tart. So, Steve, do you rem- have any recollection of of that? I remember. <laughs> This is what's happening in my brain right now is what I like to call the Danny Smith effect, which I think you guys know what that is. So I definitely remember Danny was in it. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was in the room that wrote the. Uh, I can't remember who else. That's a question for Danny, I, maybe. Yeah, well, no, no. Goldie, Goldie was part of it, and I was part of it because I okay. know Goldie wrote that great song that I still think of sometimes, <gasps> like uh, the 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 train uh, train train on the water boat on a track. So if that, family, I remember that too. If there are Family Guy fans out there, surely you remember train train on a water boat on a track, which is a <laughs> and then the little pre, the little preamble to it, Goldie, is so funny. What was that? Uh, and, I, and I believe this was like maybe an Andrew Goldberg pitch in the room. Like it was Peter saying, this week I learned that boats go on water and trains go on tracks. This song was written before that happened. <laughs> yeah, which I think is a very, very funny preamble to a very funny song. And we have yeah. to give full credit. The Butter on a Pop-Tart, I believe, was Kevin Biggins. Kevin oh, Biggins. Oh, and I think Ted Jessup was in the room for those songs as well like three or four songs came out of that room that Biggins was in yes and Jessup was in there too when, I remember when that. I first started wasn't there like a, a barbershop quartet it was some anniversary like some hundredth episode it was my very first day and there was a yeah. barbershop quartet were they singing that no that That's was a, a different episode we've had a yeah. few episodes where they sing and, no like live or, they were in the office oh yes when That's right. That, that was for the 300th I okay. believe yeah. Right. Like, and we had, there was a ca- cake on the ping pong table and Literally all that Literally my stuff. first day at Family yeah. Guy. Like, I love yeah. this place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hey, and while we're hovering around the ping pong table, uh, JC and Goldie might not know this, but you're in the presence of two Family Guy ping pong champions. Right oh, now. yeah. I did wow. not know that. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much time I, on your hands. <laughs> I only get, ever received a second place trophy. I've never actually won. Oh, oh well, maybe, maybe I think because you knocked me out one year, I just assumed that you won that <laughs> Yeah, no. You, I think your your skills are superior to mine. Um, no, no, Steve. You just you just used to get in your own head, Steve. Steve, <laughs> Steve is a ping pong player, and I used to try and help that happen. But uh, Steve is a ping pong player because you are so long. You were deadly if you got into your groove. Like if you started playing the game on your terms, the way you wanted to play it, I had no shot. So my only. <laughs> My only chance was junk serves, little chips and drop shots and weird bounces and things like that. So yeah, I'm 80% wingspan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Once once you got into your rally mode and the arms started going back and forth like that, it was it was all over. Um, but yes, so the ping pong yeah, was we, a big part of our lives. We used though. to have these tournaments that everyone took far more seriously than adults should take things. Yes. And uh, like trophies, like someone like purchased sweating. trophies and handed out trophies. I mean, it was yes. like... Yeah, it was great. great. And there were some great players there. Joe Vox, great player. Awesome. Uh, yep. pa- Dan Pavmeyer is infuriating a, a person as he can be. He was an amazing ping pong player. <laughs> Very good ping pong player, yes. Uh, um, yeah, and, and Dan Pavmeyer, who went on to create Phineas and Ferb, uh, maybe yeah. some of you know or are aware of his work or aware of him, he sort of has a big Lebowski look to him. He was kind of like uh, before big, I mean, I guess simultaneous to big Lebowski, he was sort of big Lebowski. And to enforce that, and it used to drive me fucking nuts when I would play him in ping pong. He, you know how people will sometimes during a ping pong game, they'll say like, what's the score? You know, and like, and you kind of have to do that. 
literally uh, Pavan Meyer before his first serve of the game is like giving me that look. I'm like, it's zero zero, you asshole. Like we haven't played a end. single point. Well, I think we, we, and I don't know whether it's the case with Dan or not, but I think with, with some people, it's a it's a mind game, right? Oh yeah. Because it's like I oh. I'm so not invested. Yes. In this game. I can't even keep track of the score. What is it? Yeah. It, but it to ask before me. the game even begins. Well, quick, that's yeah. funny. I think that's clearly like just trying to screw with you. Uh, those are those are some fun times around the table. Totally. table. All right, so we're just gonna get a couple more questions here and then we'll we'll head into uh our top five okay here's an interesting question who's your favorite character outside of the griffin family mm. yeah I that, that is a good a, question yeah i thought so oh man well, you I, i'm curious to know what your guys' answers to that are too but um i'll go i, yeah. I think quagmire yeah <laughs> yeah i think He's that's hilarious. a good yeah quagmire's nice. very funny and it, it's it's interesting because uh, and Seth has even brought this up to me uh, recently that we've gotten away from skeevy quagmire, like yeah. the, the sort of rapey quagmire, yes. which yes. I personally think is kind of a good thing. And and I personally enjoy the cat quagmire and the ultra competitive rules quagmire. <laughs> like I love I love that shit. But I think Seth and a lot of fans, honestly, kind of want us to move a little further back to uh the old quagmire which we also hear a lot with stewie right like we hear now stewie's mostly gay and what happened to evil i want to kill my mom stewie yeah so honestly i see it as like a good opportunity going forward it's like okay now we'll we'll switch back a little it'll give us more to write about yeah it's nice when you can have characters that have multiple facets to their personality that can be you know, reservoirs of, uh, of comedy. And so I think like in Stewie's case, yeah, it's, it's funny when he does the world domination thing, or I want to kill Lois, but it's also funny when he's figuring out his own sexuality. And I would yeah. say, so this is a segue into my answer. I think, I think Joe is a character that started out very one dimensional. And over time we have found some fun aspects to play about his character. I love when Joe gets, you know, kind of political or like kind of yes. like just middle of the road, bland political, you know, I or, love that. Yeah, just so I think Joe has become, I don't know that he started out this way, but I think he's become over time a really fun, interesting, yeah. layered and funny character. Totally. I, I think my short answer would probably be Dr. Hartman because he's just sort of like a naked gun kind of character. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, the, the doctor who's a terrible doctor. Totally. It's very funny to me. I like Lois's dad. Oh, Lois's dad. Lois's dad. I guess, yeah. 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 He is Carter. Carter. yeah, what's his, his name? His name Mr. would be Carter. Carter. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> like whatever his fucking name my, is. He's my absolute favorite. No I, like, I really don't. I think he's funny. <laughs> he, he is funny. He's a funny character. Yeah. So JC, I think you had a nice question for, for Steve that, that yeah. I think might be not, it might be cool to talk yeah. about now. So you celebrated your 25th wedding anniversary a couple of days yes. ago. How, Which wow. Seems preposterous. Yeah, yeah it really I'm does. Saying. God, you must yeah. be old. I, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I don't understand how that you don't number look makes old, any sense logically because I feel like I'm 26. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did you have a nice time? Would you? Did you know? Was it everything you hoped it would be? <laughs> yes, it was. You know, we. I, I went to uh, Vegas this past weekend with my wife because I bought tickets to see Sting. Uh, nice. before the pandemic, like three years ago. And the date got changed and changed and changed. It finally was coming up. And I even thought about like maybe selling them. And then I'm like, no, we, we should go. And we met friends who flew out from DC. We had a great um, weekend. But when we were on our way there, I was like, hey, so 
we're coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary. And she said, her response was, that's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But but what she meant by that was like, kind of what I was saying before, like, that's just, that's absurd. That makes no sense. Like, yeah. how is that, how is that a thing? You know, I that know. we could have been married for 25 years. So, and the fact that that was her response, I mean, I'm saying this sort of jokingly, but sort of sincerely too, like, that's exactly why I married her and why yeah. I love her. Because like, Aww. that's exactly how I feel about it. You know, we were well, like, we approached this, these milestones with the same kind of mindset. Like, yeah. yes, we're, there's sentimentality to it too, but there's also like a sense of humor too. Like, right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So let's spend the weekend in a room that kind of smells like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say the, the concert was amazing. I'm so glad we went and it was great to see our friends and just be out of the house doing something again after, you know, two and a half yeah. years of living on Zoom. Uh, yes. Nothing better than stinging a mask. Yeah, <laughs> I was wearing a mask. I was like, yeah, one of the few people. Good. Um, Happy no, anniversary, no. honey. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, think about Viner at all when you were watching Sting? I did. Well, you know, it's funny because I've loved Sting and the Police ever since I was young. Um, yeah. Being like, love, yeah. love, love them. And so I was at a birthday party of Seth some years ago, and and Sting was at the party. Oh and wow. I like looked across and I'm like, oh my God, I think that's thing. I mean, and I don't, I, um, I don't really get starstruck, but I was right. starstruck. I was that's like, oh my God. Yeah. And, um, and so I spent the whole night basically like talking to Aaron Lee, I'm sure annoying the crap out of him being like, should I talk to him? Should I stop? Him? I don't want to bother him. What do you, oh my God. Now he's going over there. Who's, who's that person? So it got to the point where he was about, it was clear he was about to leave. And this was my chance, do or die. And, the thing about it is, like, I even chose our wedding, our first dance song in our wedding is a Sting song, but it's oh, like a wow. deep cut. It's not like Fields of Gold or some obvious choice, right? right. So I would what? have at least a little something to talk to him about, but I'm like, but I don't want to be like the same guy. What, what the, song was it? Uh, well, I'll tell you in a second. So, okay. So <laughs> he's on his way. Too. No, 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 no. Um, so he's on his way out of the party, and I literally step in front of him and block his path. <laughs> and, and I was like, hey. And so I, I said, you know, oh, uh, I'm sorry to hold you up. Um, you know, my name is Steve Cowhan. I'm a writer for Family Guy. I wanted to, like, get that out there. So yeah, yeah. Like, sure. I have a reason to be at this party. I'm not just some rando, although I kind of am a rando. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, you know, I did the standard, like, oh, I'm such a big fan, blah, blah, blah. And, and I could tell he was kind of in his celebrity mode, of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I said... In fact, my wife and I did our first dance to one of your songs, and uh, it's uh, I was brought to my senses. And he like kind of like stepped back. Like I could tell this was like <laughs> cool, new, yeah. and, like, exciting oh, for him. And he, I'm sting, but this is <laughs> no because he goes, he goes. Well, you can't. I can't do the accent. He's like, well, you can't dance to that song. That's in seven eighths time. Oh, and I was like, I was like, Amazing. I know. That's why I had to take a lot of dance lessons. And he, he sort of he sort of laughed, and and um, and then he said. Well, we're even because I'm a big fan of Family Guy. And I said, hey, thing. And then uh, that was kind of it. And off he went. The whole interaction was maybe 35 seconds. Wow. But it was perfect. And That's amazing. Yeah. It was like, for me, I honestly, cue the Danny thing. Because like just mm-hmm. telling the story, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, so I, I got, got goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, but, but uh, I did think of Viner. This is what, getting back to your question. Because yeah. I was like, afterward, I was like, oh, shit, we kind of made fun of him. <laughs> um, but then I watched the clip and we, we do and we don't. It's like a soft ribbing. Do you remember the bit? No, I just remember Viner doing his Isn't voice. It's a thing of like he can't 
you can't understand what he's saying. It's like, yeah, oh, basically. Yes, and, <laughs> and it's funny. John Viner who was not invited to be part of this podcast doing the uh, doing the voice. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, it's is it flattering? No, but is it like the harshest shot we've taken anybody? Not by a long stretch. No, so. we don't we don't say anything about his music or anything like that. No, 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 would no, be no. would be bad. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious! You see, JC, I'm glad we asked that about Yay. that anniversary. Look at yeah. all, the, look at all the hashtag content we got. Right? And uh, <laughs> we got to have you back on to dance in seven eighths time for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, it's so funny because we because our anniversary was the other night. We pulled out our wedding video and we forced our kids to watch pieces of nice. it. not a lot, but some of it, and we watched that dance. And I, it was, and now this is where you were saying I had a good memory before, but now I'm going to prove myself wrong because I watched myself do this dance on this video. I'm like, I have no recollection of learning that dance. <laughs> but I know, your wedding I know for that one week of my life, I, I had it down, yeah. <laughs> but I watched it like, oh, that guy's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's awesome. Well, Steve. Uh, as predicted, you are fantastic to yes. talk to Thank about you. anything, Thank and you. of course, in particular, about Family Guy, where your reservoir of knowledge is second to none. So, well, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, of course. And great. we still have a little bit more to go with you because we're about yeah. to get into a portion of the show that we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Hey, now, who is that singing? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you well, are. you know, you, you'd never think it, but that is us. <laughs> oh, we, no, we you know don't that. say. Oh, wow. I thought I asked. I forget um, which fan hates us saying that. I forget, but uh, oh, yeah. somebody does. And that's yeah. all I need to know. Somebody hates it, so I enjoy it. <laughs> all right, so I, I picked this week's uh, category, so I'll just set it up. And this was a, a pretty simple one, although it seemed difficult for Steve for a, a moment it or was. two. Um, no, I... It was... <laughs> Top five movie scenes. Yes. And you see, I emphasize the word movie in what I say. <laughs> Why do I do that, Steve? Because one of my first texts back to you was, can it be TV scenes too? Because <laughs> I, I have some very memorable TV scenes, but then I, I came up with some, some good movie ones. So okay, good. Uh, now, right. Steve, as the guest, we'd love for you to go first. Go ahead. Is, if you, I mean, I'll Please. go whenever, but I'm happy no, to you go, go first. Go first. I, I will say it was hard to choose because there are so, so many, many to choose from. So, so many, many good ones. Yep. And I don't want to avoid, you know, obvious low-hanging fruit. I almost... Almost, and this is not a joke. I almost chose the Russian tea room scene from Tootsie, but I know those are fighting words on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, what a great! Thank you for the backup, Steve. I yes, that. totally. <laughs> he loves no, it. so my number five, my number five, is the opening sequence from the movie Up. Oh, uh, because yeah, really it's good. It's really, and I want you know, just watching it again, like it's <sighs> so emotional and communicates so much with not a single word, and it's so. Yeah. Sad. Oh, yes. you're right. Really effective and what a great beautiful. choice. Yeah. So that's number five. Um, my number four is uh, a scene from When Harry Met Sally that I call Wagon Wheel Coffee Table. Um, I <laughs> yeah. think I think Nora Ephron is underrated, and it's that scene where Billy Crystal is like, you know, telling them, you know, they're gonna. This is all the shit they're gonna argue about and fight about when they get divorced. And he's like, that right. stupid Wagon Wheel Roy Rogers garage sale <laughs> coffee table. Um, <laughs> And uh, there's just so many great lines in that, you know, uh, yeah. singing yeah. Surrey with the fringe on top in front of Ira. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, and I think yep. Carrie Fisher is a great comedic actress. I think she's underrated. She okay, is. number Rest three. Number three is the uh, scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the truck chase scene in Raiders oh. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I think it's yes. one of the best 
action scenes of all time. And there's not totally a bit, my understanding, Alec, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not a bit of CGI in that. Oh, no. I think it's just like a guy literally being dragged under a truck and all the ways wow. that he gets back in the cab. And I just think yep. it's like, when I saw that for the first time, it was a revelation to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, what a great yeah. choice. Number two is um, from This Is Spinal Tap. This mm. one goes to 11. I mean, yes. every <laughs> time I watch one. it, it's still funny. And I probably watch it a thousand times. It's still <laughs> funny. Um, great choice. And then my number one choice, I'm a little worried that you, you, you all go, what? But um, it's a scene in Quiz Show. What? I call, what? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I perfectly set myself up for that. And it's what I what I sort of refer to as the chocolate cake scene. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? So it's no. So do you remember the show, movie quiz show? Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. So Ray it's Fiennes. a scene with Ray Fines is at his. He's dropped in at his parents' house, and it's the middle of the night, and he's feeling he's racked with guilt about what's been going on. And he has this amazing relationship with his father, who's played by Paul Schofield. It's one of the best father-son scenes, I would say, ever. Yeah. And the business that they're doing is that he's eating this chocolate cake, and they end up kind of sharing this piece of chocolate cake. And so the business itself is very mundane, but it they reference the cake, and it takes on sort of this profound meaning about sort of the simplicity of life before he was burdened with all this stuff that's going on. And yep. it's just amazing. I watched it with my wife the other day, and I like literally kind of like teared up um, <laughs> because he's stressing that. and his dad is like this intellectual. He's this, they're both professors, but the dad yeah. clearly doesn't really value what Ray Fiennes is doing and kind of stressing right. about. And, um, and there's yeah. a, just a great exchange in there where he's talking about the piece of cake and it reminds him when he was a kid and he would come home and get a piece of cake out of the icebox and just so simple. And he says, Ray Fiennes says, you know, I don't think I'll ever be that happy again. And there's this long yeah. pause. And then <laughs> the dad, I'm getting choked up now. The dad says, <laughs> Not until you have a son. Oh, and, my God. And it's, and it's in the midst of, I'm channeling Goldie right now, yeah. but it's in the midst of this scene where he's so worried about disappointing his dad, <laughs> and and he ultimately does. It, it's just yeah. a great, great scene. Yeah. And it's like That's so well wow. explained. But yeah. Steve Callahan gets emotional. He gets yeah. emotional. <laughs> I'm telling you, look it up on YouTube, and you, yeah, will, will. you will see what I'm talking That's about. And great. That's great. The acting on both sides is just world class, and uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a great scene. So that's, that's, my, that's my list. That's uh, a great, great list. Great list. Wow. Yes. So wow. well okay. explained. Yes. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go next? Well, I'll go next. All right. Mine is way more down the middle. I feel bad. Okay. <laughs> so um, my number five is uh, the what's in the box scene. <laughs> seven. <laughs> like, from yes. seven. Yeah. 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 From, so uh, from many. Se- 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 seven. <laughs> That's a correct pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> and then, um, well, I also had for number four a an Indiana Jones scene, but it was the much more obvious one, which was the boulder scene. Oh yeah, yes. I remember as a kid seeing that, just so thrilled. It just Excellent. was, yeah, so much um, excitement choice. in that. Excellent um, choice. Number three from Goodfellas, um, Funny How. Funny, well, you know, funny little uh, clown, yeah, the yeah. funny house scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a clown, like I'm yeah. here to amuse you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, number two is Luke, I am your father. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mind-blowing Amazing. moment. Got like, Mind-blowing. Yeah, the literal, theater was blown like, away. Freaked out, yeah. Um, yeah. And my number one was the usual suspects reveal. Because for me, that was yeah. the la- first time I had been like, 
oh my god like the i twist. almost had that on my list because yeah. that's an amazing moment, moment yeah. Yes. yeah 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 when they realized he was the one molesting young kids all along <laughs> <laughs> uh all right goldie what do you got all right i i didn't order these because i found it pretty hard so i'll, I'll just hard. do that in a moment so not, my number five is from the movie bananas the woody <laughs> allen movie yeah. where they get this enormous belly order to feed I love that. the entire <laughs> army. And then he caps the theme by saying, there'll be no charge with the rebels. <laughs> I love Just that. Just one of the funniest things yeah, ever. Yeah, the, the specificity of all the orders was so funny. Yeah. Um, number four, I'm going to go with, we've talked about the trip on here, and there's so many scenes from that. It's hard to choose one, but I think my favorite one might be in the, the trip to Spain when he just does the impression of they're talking about the Moors and he won't stop talking doing the impression of Roger Moore. Yeah. <laughs> His Roger Moore is amazing. amazing. Yeah, and he just won't let it go. And it clearly should have been let go like four minutes ago and he will yeah, not you do lo- it. You love that kind of comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, number three, I reference it all the time and I feel like it is one of the most relevant references to make in almost any situation in life but the you blew it scene in copland (laughs) (laughs) everyone always wants to do the right thing like a month after it would matter and it's like there's no point in doing it now you blew it (laughs) Um, also the maybe the best sandwich acting ever incredible (laughs) incredible de niro and it's it's i i feel like it's it's an underseen movie i I feel like it's a great movie i agree um number two is from one of my favorite movies i don't know we've talked about on here uh breaking away um but i think the the scene after that dennis christopher finally gets to ride with the italians Mm. and he comes home and his heart's broken and the dad who's been sort of like shitting on him, he tells him that they all cheat. The whole world is cheating. Oh, Heartbreaking. Yeah. Great yeah, scene. That's, that's so great. And you talk about father son relationship, Steve earlier, like breaking away obviously has a great one. And the whole conceit throughout the movie is that Dennis Christopher, the lead actor is like pretending he's Italian because he loves these Italian bike racers so much. So He's speaking to his father in Italian or with an Italian accent the whole movie, and the dad hates it. And then he comes home from this race where the Italians were total assholes and cheated. And he just says, he says, daddy, while he's crying in his arms, which was so, again, uh, that's making me emotional. So yeah. I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen that movie. I have to, I have to watch oh it. Oh, my God. Oh, you, you'd, you'd love it. Tonight. You'd love it's it. Incredible. You'd love it. All right. Um, it's on HBO Max, num- by the way. Okay. Number one, I'm just going to go with. Uh, a, a nice feel-good scene from Big dancing on the keyboard. Oh, nice! <laughs> you, you fucking love Big. I oh, love I that love movie. Big. Big's I a mean, great Big, movie. I think Big is maybe the the greatest comedy of all time. I I'm with you. I I think I it's it. really well done. It's it's, it's well funny, it's well done. It's sweet. Yeah. It's very. It's so much. I mean, it kicks Tootsie's ass. Up <laughs> Not <there>. even <laughs> close. Not even close to as funny. All right, guys, they're both that's, good. They're that's, both yeah. Good. That, that's a that's a good list. Aside from number one, very good list. Um, <laughs> so here are my top five again. There were so many, and since you've all gone now, I know I'm not spoiling any of your scenes. I wanted to put like the the Breakfast Club confession scene where they're oh, just yeah. going around telling why they're there. I think is a spectacular scene. Like there there were just a few scenes that were very tough to leave off. But 
uh, JC total overlap for my number five, oh. which is the Raiders of the Lost Ark opening scene. Oh, Again, nice. you talk about Steve being in the theater and just blown away. Like you just knew right away, like this is going to be awesome. Yeah, totally. Num- number four for me is um, the capping the oil well scene in There Will Be Blood, which was heartbreaking and amazing at the same time. Fantastic. I think was that. Was it Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead who did the Soundtrack. did the music that is so Spartan and amazing? And you just watch this guy who loves his son but prioritizes, like, oh, the well's coming in. Like, I got to deal with this. So his son was kind of hurt, but he's got to go deal with the well. And they also add this thing, P.T. Anderson, of they, they filmed the scene I, I read on a camera from 1910. Oh. Like wow. the, so, oh the, when the, when the well is burning at night, like they, there are all these shots, and if you look around the edges of the shots, they're all kind of like washed out, and it's because the camera was so old. Little side note about that is that No Country for Old Men was filming two towns over at exactly the same time, and they had to stop production for a day because of all the smoke from the uh, burning well <clears throat> of There Will oh Be Blood. God. So two great movies, like you know, within spitting distance. Number three, and we've, we touch on this on the podcast all the time, and I watched it again the other night, and I get very emotional. E.T. and Elliot flying by yeah, the moon. I thought of that. I mean, <laughs> I, like, I, you know I love reaction videos. I watched a reaction video of a father and his young son, like 11 or 12. Wa- the kid was watching E.T. for the first time. When that happened, you know, the bike's going out of control. You don't know what's going to happen. The music's building, and then all of a sudden they're flying. The the audible gasp oh. from this kid when oh. it happened, was it was all worth it. I get goosebumps That's just awesome. thinking about it. Number two, more goosebumps, more nerd stuff. Superman revealed in Superman oh, the movie. Yes. When you've, you know, you see him as Clark Kent and, and then Lois is in trouble. The helicopter's hanging off the side of the building. Everybody's looking up. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Then he goes through the revolving doors, shoots up, and she says, you know, he says, I've got you. You've got me. Who's oh. got you? Like, I, I love that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, and number one for me, uh, and I referenced it earlier in the list, the, the greatest scene, I love watching it, is the the coin toss scene from No Country for Old Men yeah. when Javier Bardem comes into that little gas station and that little old guy's there and he makes him toss a coin for his life. Like, I think that's a fantastically written and acted scene by both sides. So there it is. I think it's fun. terrible what he does to that man. <laughs> <laughs> there's, some, there's one thing that bothers me about that scene. One thing. And it almost eliminated it for me. The haircut? You, what is it? Well, his haircut's is, is distracting. But in the background of that scene, there are rows and rows of Jack's Lynx beef jerky. And I'm thinking, <laughs> did that exist in 1980? <laughs> like, was it no. was supposed to be set in 1980? And there, well, yeah, Slim Jims were all the rage. No, there was no sure. such thing as those. I, I, that I'm seems like aware. an oversight wow. on the uh, But But the Coen brothers are so particular. It seems weird that they didn't know. So maybe one of Have you ever researched it? Uh, never. Never have. <laughs> all right. I, I'm gonna you spent the last four years yeah, deep diving and not being <laughs> able to reach a conclusion. That's a great <laughs> list, though. Yeah. Uh, that's no, they're great all, all great lists. Very fun to think about. Goldie, what do you got for next week? Uh, we're each going to say just our top five favorite animals. Ooh. Oh, I love it. I love, sometimes I love those simple lists. That's awesome. 
top five favorite top animals. Perfect. Five. That we'll do that next week. And JC's got a heart out in five minutes. I can't believe we've taken the whole right. time. <laughs> but so I'm gonna I'm gonna cruise through our high notes. Wait. Yeah. Don't we want to play the song? Oh yeah. Let's end the show <laughs> as we always do on a high note. <laughs> Thank you, Tom and Max. Thank you, Tom and Max. Oh, we, it we, was even heard? longer to me because I usually listen at 1.5 speed. So that, <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Have we have we heard anything from Tom this week? We have, and here it is. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Tom Gamble, and uh, guess what? Uh, I'm testing negative. I lit COVID. Oh, but what a week I had. I would not wish that on anybody. I was eating vegetables. I was listening to classical music. I, I was reading. I, I read a book on um, Abe Lincoln. Obviously, you know who that guy was. He was like the... Uh, 16th president of the United States of America. Anyway, he had a great quote. He said, a house divided is a condominium. Oh, Oh God, what's happening? Nose is stuffing up. Stop getting sore. Oh, dear. I'm afraid the COVID's returned, but I'll remain in good spirits. As Abraham Lincoln once said, I laugh because I must not cry. That is all. That is all. Till next time. Good day. <laughs> I'm just calling that my high note. Explaining it. Yeah, that, that's great. That's a great high note, Goldie. Yeah, yeah no, to God bless Gamble. And he's putting the effort into full yeah. bits with another with a cast now, a full cast, yeah. and he's probably paying. Um, yeah, he just, Tom, yeah, thank good. you. That's hilarious. My high note, it'll be brief. And it's appropriate since my wife just walked through the room, but we are moving into our house tomorrow. We're Ooh. moving back. We're out of heat. We're out of the, the wow. little coffin here. My wife did a fantastic job. It all looks absolutely beautiful. I cannot wait to be over there. So I'm, that's my high note. Very that's excited. A great high note. My Go high ahead, note. Steve Callahan. This, yeah. thank you, oh, thank you oh, so much. You showed us up, Yes, yeah, that's right. No, this was, I'm so, thank you so much for being here. You've been a pleasure from the moment we tested and tried to connect and everything. So, and you were hilarious and so informative and really appreciate you taking the time being here. Oh, that's so nice. I appreciate that. And look Aww. at that. I, I think a Zabar's <laughs> box is coming somebody's <laughs> way. Can I, that's a perfect leading. Can I just say my high note as my dog's bark in the background? Yeah. Um, uh, is uh, being on this podcast has been uh, a, a huge, huge throw. I mean that. You, I, I'm a big fan, as you guys know, and it's been. I was very happy that you asked me to be on it, and I. Yeah. Worked hard on those Johnny Chaps. Yes, you did. They were funny, too. But let the record show that my high, actual high note is my 25th wedding anniversary, because yes. I feel like that's yes. what it should be. But, <laughs> right. but, but my real high note is being <laughs> I got closer to the mic. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, thank you. A heartfelt thanks to Steve Callahan for being here. Thank you, Goldie and JC, for always being awesome. Thank, thank you. you all for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't caught it. <laughs>